Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to another edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Network. And right now, I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. Hope everyone is having a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Friday. A lot to talk about today. I'm going to be talking about the Golden Globes, making a few changes to accommodate due to the pandemic of the coronavirus, plus a little bit of other coronavirus news that's happening around the world of Hollywood and around the globe as well. Some unfortunate news happening when it comes to the theaters. I'm also going to be doing a little bit of theorizing, speculating of where they will land. A lot of films have lost their release dates, have postponed their films to later dates that we don't know about just yet. So I'm going to be kind of theorizing, guessing for myself, where these films might land in, in conjunction of where some other people might think these films will land, whether it's this year, next year, in the future. We're going to get to that a little later on. But the first thing I do want to talk about is a article that came out of Variety yesterday from Justin Kroll and a few others over there that are still working really hard that for a lot of tabloids like Variety, Hollywood Reporter, Collider, a lot of these entertainment news sites have kind of had to get creative over the last few weeks, especially with with a lot of other kind of small sites like Collider, comicbook.com. They've really had to kind of do some things differently, make a lot of lists, and because there's not a lot of news out there except for the big news of when a few films get delayed, like on the earlier in the week with Wonder Woman 84 and Wonder, Wonder Brothers moving some of their release dates. But other than that, there's not really any big news. That really when it comes to major news, and the big, big major news that will come is when everything starts to open up. But sites like Hollywood Reporter, Variety have had a really kind of steer clear of all that and really adapt to the times of which how the coronavirus is affecting the entertainment industry and they've done a really good job with that and i highly recommend reading a lot of their articles as long as as well as colliders and comic books because they're doing a lot of great stuff of putting lists out there as well of seeing what some great things to binge watch are to watch quarantine parties i know brandon davis over a comic book has really done something great with quarantine watch parties that you should all check out it's basically you go live on twitter and he just did one last night with dr strange talking with scott derrickson who live tweeted talking about the film as well so they've been doing some great stuff adapting to everything that has been going on to entertain a lot of people and there was an article yesterday from variety talking about the studios that are really in limbo right now and where things really stand with these studios right now. And there was some really revealing stuff that was talked about. So I'm just going to go through a lot of the big pointers that came out of the story and then talk about really what it all means. So the beginning of the article really talks about how the studios are letting the crew and cast members know that productions are going to be most likely pulled off until mid-May at least. Right now, a lot of productions gave a, a two- to three-week window to come back around mid to late April, but it seems like that might be pushed back another month due to the coronavirus. Studios won't be able to go back to work until the local governments lift the bans, restricting a lot of uh, restricting the bans that are put in place, specifically social gatherings that are less than 10 people, or excuse me, more than 10 people. And when it comes to a lot of studios and shoots, it is hundreds and hundreds of people that are on a production set alone so they have to make sure that they abide by the government laws right now and whenever those are lifted those are going to be lifted and on variety one of the sources says that the first films that will resume production will most likely be in the united states of america not worldwide because of course the unfortunate scene with italy and a lot of europe france to shut down for two weeks they're really dealing with this right now where they're starting to kind of shut a lot of their governments down, shut a lot of their social gatherings and a lot of their businesses down right now. So 
right now, I, th- I think when it comes to studios, it makes sense that the United States would want to resume productions within their realm first and see how everything goes. Everything going forward, when we talk about building things back up again, it's going to be the baby steps. When it comes to theaters opening back up again, like China was doing, which I'll get into in a little bit later on, it's all about baby steps of how the market is going to be. Are people going to be abiding by these kinds of, of laws? And are people going to be wanting to go to the theaters? And when it comes to studio settings and, and going back into productions, what is it going to be like for these studios? How are people going to be feeling going back to work? Which I'm sure a lot of people do want to go back to work when this is really all over. But are, their safety regulations are going to be fit to what they want to do. So I think it's really about taking the baby steps. And then of the productions, it comes down to you can't really do a, a movie without acting and actors. And when it comes to big productions, you have big stars. And in the article, they talk about how since a lot – when you talk about stars – they specifically named Dwayne The Rock Johnson with Red Notice and Chris Pratt for Jurassic Park Dominion. Those are movies that were shooting around this time that they're saying that because they have such tight schedules, because they are so in demand, that they're trying to rework their schedules so that they can finish the project that they're on right now and then work on films that they can do at later dates later on. So for The Rock, who is a perfect example of something like this, where he's shooting Red Notice with Ryan Reynolds Gal Gadot right now, Maybe when he has to go shoot next, which is is most likely going to be Black Adam for DC, pushing that off for a little bit so he can finish this project and then go on to the next one. And they even said that individuals that are in supporting roles that have big parts. So again, Red Notice is a great example of this. Say if Gal Gadot or Ryan Reynolds, they, they have films that they have something that they have to do next, then maybe they might have to postpone shooting and find somebody else to take that spot because of certain schedules that they have that they can't abide by because they're just in a supporting role or maybe the next film they're on is a leading role so that comes with a lot more more packaging and a lot more a lot more for them than a supporting role would then insiders in the article say that studio executives are also checking on the availability of other actors to serve as possible excuse me replacements so going back to what i said about the supporting roles and films that are in pre-production that haven't started filming yet are postponed Films like Uncharted with Mark Wahlberg, Tom Holland, they were supposed to start shooting in a matter of days a few weeks ago, and but that had to be postponed. Same thing with Disney's live-action Peter Pan film. Those are going to be postponed right now until a, a firm start date can be sorted out for those movies. But the one big film that was in the article that is not in any delay right now, it, and that's been working virtually kind of with a lot of the artists that are a part of this film, is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. That's in pre-production, and right now they're looking at keeping their principal photography start date at June 10th instead of moving it right now. Because when we talk about, and I'll talk about this when I when, about the release calendar for Black Widow specifically, Marvel is in a very precarious situation because their release dates are so finite and are so they're so they're looked at with such detail and they're planned out years and even months and even years in advance. So for Doctor Strange right now, they're keeping that June date, hoping that this most likely starts to resolve itself in around the summertime. Mission Impossible Seven has halted production in Venice and the reason for that is this was one of the first ones to really halt production that well, that started to turn an eye and the reason they, they halted production first was because before it really became a pandemic in the United States it was a huge issue in Italy which still is right now and Venice is in Italy so they had to postpone their production and 
this is a big issue for them because MI7, a majority of the film, the actual film, the story, is set in European locations. So shooting in Venice and a lot of other European locations is not plausible right now. So Mission Impossible 7 had to stop it, and right now there's no set date of when they're going to resume production, which, again, for them, it's it's very precarious of what's going to happen. And the same thing about The Matrix 4, The Batman with Matt Reeves, which is going to star Robin Pattinson, Red Notice, which is a big part of this article, have all shut down productions. And in the article, they say that right now these films are... With Matrix 4, it only had a week left. It was finishing up production in San Francisco. Then it had about a week to shoot in Berlin. And then it seemed like it was going to wrap up principal photography there. The Batman was a few months in principal photography. And Red Notice was about two months into principal photography. And they all had to shut down. And right now they're saying that they are far along and long enough that the release dates could stay and maintain where they are right now if they go back to work soon. If they have to postpone their production dates even more into the summertime then most likely these films might be pushed back from their release dates matrix and the batman which are scheduled to come out in the summer of 2021 might have to push themselves back even further into the fall of 2021 or maybe even even into 2022 and into the future whereas red notice probably will have to push back to 2021 at the latest and another thing that was noticed here was that Anya Taylor-Joy is in talks with George Miller to play young Furiosa in the Mad Max spinoff film Furiosa, which was played by Charlize Theron in the widely regarded Mad Max Fury Road in 2015. And George Miller has been doing a lot of Skype auditions doing this and not actually doing auditions at locations. And that's really a lot of, uh, really a summary of what the article, what was contained in the article and condensed in the article. And overall, thinking about this, it's it's scary. I mean, listen, there's a lot of other things going on around the world right now with the coronavirus that are more serious and dire than movies entertainment. But talking about this stuff, for me, that who loves talking about this stuff, hearing this, it's, it's scary and it's nerve-wracking that a lot of these films that we were anticipating might be pushed back even more so than their early release date, which is even a little more than a year from now. So that's a little scary, but you have to do what you have to do in... Again, at the beginning of what I was saying, that a lot of these studios are going to look towards the government and seeing when they can really go back to doing, to going back to filming and making sure it's a safe environment for everyone to be there, whether you're a below-the-line crew member or an above-the-line, or if you're an actor, it doesn't matter what role you have. Everyone's going to want to make sure that these places are safe for everyone to be a part of. And when you talk about the Batman, the Matrix 4, they're so close to, with Matrix 4, it's certainly almost done with production, and Batman is midway through it, it seems like. it's just You want to make sure that they get the time that they need to, and a lot of these production staffs, these producers are going to have to allocate for, for money and, and into the budget. So it's just, it's a mad scramble in Hollywood right now, it seems like, for this stuff. But again, talking about variety, talking about Hollywood Reporter, it's great that they've been able to shift this and, and really not just deal with movie news and TV news and music news, but how it all is being affected by the coronavirus, because that's really what everything is about right now. Everything else is at a standstill right now. And for all these different sites to really have some way to keep us entertained and keep us informed in the entertainment realm of all this that is going on. It's it's widely liked, and, and, and I love everything that I read about this in terms of keeping up to date with everything that is going on. And just to talk about this little news with Anya Taylor-Joy, I love it. I think the fact that 
George Miller seems like this is one of his, his next films that he wants to get going. I'm all for it. Whatever you can do in the Mad Max universe, he is the architect behind that. Keep doing it. And the fact that you get somebody like Anya Taylor-Joy, who is one of my favorite, favorite up-and-comer actresses in the industry right now, after watching her in Emma, which she really makes the film what it is and, and is a huge driving force behind it. She shines in that film she locks you in from the very beginning till the very end and i'm excited to see her new mutants i haven't heard great things about it but i'm hoping that out of everything the acting is at least good because of the a actors and actresses that they were able to get for that film and seeing her in split and glass she was really good in that and i think those were the the baby steps the stepping stones of seeing the kind of actress that she can really become she started out in the witcher she was great in that film so to see her kind of progress as a young actress has been incredible and if it, this really does come to fruition and george miller locks her down as the young furiosa then i cannot wait to see what she does in that role kind of channeling her the younger charlize theron from what we saw in Mad Max Fury Road, which was incredible. What do you guys think about all of this news coming down about the studios in limbo right now? Let me know down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. The next thing I want to talk about is a few new films that have decided to go to digital video on demand, which has kind of come the norm right now for a lot of studios and movies that were in theaters, but since the theaters are now shut down, there's really nowhere else for these films to go but on digital and kind of shrink the window of when it's usually a 90-day, three-month window before films go from the theaters into digital and DVD. And two of those new movies that I've decided to do that, or three of them rather, is Call of the Wild, which was the 20th Century Studios and Disney film with Harrison Ford, Downhill from Searchlight Pictures, which has starred Will Ferrell and Julie Louis-Dreyfus, and The Boy 2, Brown's The Boy 2, is scheduled to come out on April 3rd, and Call of the Wild and Downhill came out today on VOD, so if you want to check them out now, you can do that. And I Still Believe is also a new, brand new film that is coming out today as well. And if I did have to recommend any of these three films, I would go with Downhill. I think it is a it's a it's a black it, it's a dark comedy. It's a black comedy where it's got some really funny beats, but at the same time, it's it's really heavy hitting in some scenes as well. Julie Louis Dreyfus is fantastic in this movie. He, she and Will, Will Ferrell have incredible chemistry with one another, and I, I think it's it, it's short movie. It's only an hour and twenty seven minutes, so it's in and out, a little less than 90 minutes long. So I think people can really enjoy this this movie and, and, and have some good laughs and learn some things from it as well. And Call of the Wild, I think it's 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 hard-hitting, especially when it comes to the animals. And Buck, even though sometimes he looks okay, it's still a CGI doll, but Harrison Ford delivers it. It's a good story. It's, it's a good movie. It's, it's unfortunate that the box office wasn't able to hold up for this movie. And it seems like Disney and 20th Century Studios is going to try to see what they can get off of VOD, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be able to maximize putting money back into the budget for this film, which is going to lose around $50 million after having around a $110, $120 million budget for this film that I think if it had an 80 to $90 million budget, it would be doing fairly well at the box office right now. But because of that hefty budget, it's going to lose a lot of money for the studio. And I still believe... It's another movie that I haven't seen yet, but I've heard good things about it. But if I had to recommend movies to watch this weekend, I would, out of all these films that have always come out in the last week or so, I would recommend seeing The Invisible Man first. But out of the new ones that are out right now, I would go with Downhill as the number one consideration 
for this weekend. And next week on Tuesday, there's two big blockbusters, the two biggest blockbusters of 2020 before the hiatus really took into effect. Sonic the Hedgehog and Bad Boys for Life are heading out for everyone to see in a few days, and I'll talk about those on Tuesday. But for this weekend, again, there's a lot of movies that you can go check out that are on for $19.99. Downhill is out and available on VOD for $9.99, so it's a little less. It's around $10 to get Downhill, but a lot of these movies I highly recommend people to go check out. Now moving on to some more coronavirus news that's coming out, and I was making the notes yesterday for today, and... Right, it, it seemed like over the last week or so, the Chinese theaters were taking the baby steps to, to get back into business and, and try to start start public life up again, really. Start life up again outside people's houses and have people come out. And over the last few weeks, it doesn't seem like that was working at all. The, a lot of the theaters were just barely getting one or two people into, into a theater a day, maybe. And so... There were plans to expand, and six to seven hundred theaters were open. And it seemed like last night, even Shanghai was opening a few theaters as well. There were a boatload of Chinese originals that were going to be screening. A lot of the big blockbusters of all time in China were going to be screening, and a lot of outside films that were going to be listed off that were going to that were huge blockbusters in China were going to get in there to kind of again take the baby steps to get life invigorated back, the public life back into China and really around the world and and lay the the foundation for where the rest of the world is going to have to go since China was first impacted with this. But it seems like that is no longer the case right now as earlier this morning it was announced that China is closing down for the second time all of their theaters once again and that every single theater will be shut down around in Hong Kong, Japan, China, everywhere there's going to be a major wide shutdown once again for the theaters and this this comes out of nowhere again where it people were, were stunned by this because again it was they, they were starting to get the baby the stepping stones into doing something and it seems like according to insiders that that maybe there might be another wave of the coronavirus that's going to hit china from outside the borders that from a lot of travelers that are coming in and so they want to they want to attempt to stop that and if they do this they i'm sure they don't want to start another wide outbreak that they had over the last few months so it seems like according to the sources that they shut down the theaters in order to really lock down once again a potential second wave of the virus and it's according to insiders it sounds like this is going to be something that is going to be in effect for not just weeks but potentially months as they try to get this down and i'm sure now that they close the theaters once again they're going to wait to be absolutely 100 percent sure that there is no indication of the virus from from people that are coming in from within China as well, that people that live actually in China as well. So they're going to want to make sure everything is down on lock and key. And they're, again, talking about some of the films that were going to be coming from major studios. All four Avengers movies were going to be making its way to China. Avatar was, Coco, Call of the Wild was going to come out on April 4th. So is Jojo Rabbit, which hadn't had its had its official Chinese release. It was supposed to happen earlier in the year in January, but because COVID-19 started in China and was really destroying it, ravaging its way through there, they shut everything down early in January, so it wasn't able to have its re- its release date there. Green Book, which won Best Picture in 2018, was supposed to set up there, A Dog's Purpose and Journey were, and two Christopher Nolan's late earlier movies, latest films that have come out in the last decade or so, Inception and Interstellar, were supposed to come out. And this again, this is just... It's sad to hear this, but 
if they have to lock it down once again, you have to do what you have to do in order to make sure this is eradicated once and for all. Do the best you possibly can because you don't want to have another wave of 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 this ravishing life and you have to lock everything down once again. Lock it down and do what you have to do. And again, it's just a shame because we were probably going to be looking at China to see where they were going to go with not just entertainment, but not just the movie theater industry, but opening up restaurants and opening up public life again, what they were going to go. And, and I would think we would be modeling after them what they would be doing when it came to opening up theaters and seeing the kind of models that they go with of getting people to come back into the theater, whether that was going to be having movie theaters be for free for a little while or opening up with films that came out earlier this year or last year and then have the bigger films come out just to get people back into the theaters in order to just feel safe and not come out with a big blockbuster that is going to maybe, if say, if, if Tenet comes out and everything's fine in July, Tenet's one, or say if Wonder Woman comes out, and even though it's a surefire bet of a box office hit, are people going to be feel safe enough to go back out? So I'm sure they're going to want to make sure that people are coming out back out to the theaters and the numbers are growing once again. But it's just a shame because this is it's like a building where you were building the foundation, you were building the the legs for it and it just fell right out under you and it's not anybody's fault it's just it's just things happen and again like i have been saying over and over again this is something that is changing day by day literally hour by hour i went to bed last night and i read the news about the shanghai was opening its theaters and then when i woke up this morning all it said china was closing out every single one of its theaters all six to seven hundred that were open this past week the past few weeks we're completely shut down once again. So this, the news is changing hour by hour, day by day. And I could come out on Monday saying that China is opening up their theaters once again, or Italy is is starting to come back to life once again. We don't know what's going to happen. So I think everything is being taken day by day, hour by hour. And unfortunately, it just seems like this is the the latest news of what is happening with COVID nineteen. What do you guys think about this? Let me know down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now moving on to one last little bit of COVID-19 news I want to talk about in the entertainment industry, and it has to do with award season and specifically the Hollywood Forum Press, a.k.a. the Golden Globes. And the HFPA announced that screenings can be sent to them digitally until April 30th that they are having this mandate. So with a lot of, of films that the, the Hollywood Forum Press, which runs the Golden Globes, could consider for Golden Globe Awards this year, they usually have screenings for the HFPA at another facility in, in, in L.A. where they are based from. And this is something that because of the social distancing and making sure that people are, are quarantining themselves, they are announcing that studios can send in screenings digitally to them, whether it's by DVD, whether it's by a link that they can send to them digitally through email or whatnot, that people are able to send them something at home instead of going to a theater and this is big news because I don't know if this is going to be something that once this is all over, whenever it's all over, that this is going to stay the same. But for right now, with this award season, however long this is going to go for, that for at least the springtime, this is going to be taken into effect. Right now, the Academy Awards have not said that they are going to be doing anything like that. They are not taking drastic measures right now that they're still planning on doing, on keeping that you have to go see a screening of a film in in a theater in, in another area, kind of like the Hollywood Foreign Press does when it comes to award season. And right now, when you think of a lot of films that are coming out, 
some movies could be considered award season contenders. I don't think I really see any that are that are clear cut right now. But say if we get to the summertime and this is still going on, we talk about film festivals that are major to award season. Khan was Cannes was a big one when you consider last year Parasite started at the Cannes Film Festival, won the Palme d'Or, and that really started the the the, the campaigning for Parasite, which went all the way to February to win the Best Picture Award at, at, at the Oscars and make history. So whether you, it's the Cannes Film Festival or Venice, Toronto, Telluride, all these these festivals, maybe they might be affected in the long run. So what do you do with that? Do you, do you have screenings in theaters or do you start sending links to studios? So I think right now the Academy of Motion Pictures, Art and Sciences doesn't have to worry about that yet. However, again, if this thing does go into the summertime, I would not be surprised if we hear that the Academy makes this notion. Again, I don't know if this is something that is going to be considered for the future, if this is going to be permanent, but right now with all these extenuating circumstances, you have to do what you have to do. And so I I don't know if there's anything that's going to be coming out that is going to be dire of award season viewings, but I just think the Academy is saying, look, we have this in place right now, and they, if they need to extend it, I'm sure they will extend it to whenever they need to if this thing is still going on. What do you guys think about this news, talking about the Golden Globes and sending links and not being in theaters? Let me know down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now moving on to some news, some some other news that doesn't have to involve COVID-19 and it's affecting the entertainment industry in general and now I want to talk about news regarding Patty Jenkins, and she's made some news, and her film has really made news this week, uh, really when it comes down to Wonder Woman 1984 being moved from June to August, and the next day she made some headlines from a Vanity Fair article that came out, and before she took on directing the first Wonder Woman, and that became a global phenomenon, a cultural phenomenon in 2017, the first superhero film that she was actually tapped to direct was the second installment in the Thor franchise, Thor the Dark World as it's titled now, and she was set to, she was signed on to direct that in 2011, it was set to come out in November 2013, however, as time went on, it seemed like Patty Jenkins and the creative heads over at Marvel had different, had differing ideas for what they wanted to do with that film, and she decided to leave, and she talks about leaving Thor the Dark World and, and the mindset she had into her decision. And so I'm quoting from the article that she, in the article that she, in, in Vanity Fair. So she talks about why she, she left in that mindset. And she says, I do not believe that I can make a good movie out of the script that they were planning on doing. I think it would have been a huge deal. It would have looked like it was my fault. It would have looked like, oh my God, this woman directed it and she missed all these things. That was the one time in my career where I really felt like, do this with another director, and it's not going to be a big deal. And maybe they'll understand it and love it more than I do. The director shook her head. You can't do movies you don't believe in. The only reason to do it would be to prove to people that I could, but it wouldn't have proved anything if I didn't succeed. I don't think that I would have gotten another chance, and so I'm super grateful. And reading this, I I have to give all the love in the world to Patty Jenkins and, and the really the cojones that she has in, in talking about how back in 2011 when she was signed on to do Thor The Dark World and how 
the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's even bigger than it was back then. And, and back in 2011, 2012, it was starting to form. And after Avengers, it became this big global brand. And so for her, she was somebody that was a little bit more of a an indie director. And then she came onto the scene with Wonder Woman. And she's the highest grossing solo female director to direct a, a, a superhero film, the first ever solo director to have a female superhero film, the highest grossing solo director for a superhero film. She has all those accolades for Wonder Woman and... It, from what she said with Thor the Dark Wall, she just she just didn't have that same passion. And I think for any director, whether they're signed on to do a film with with a contract with a studio or if it's a passion project of theirs, that you have to have passion in them. You have to you have to want to do a movie. And you just can't do it. Like she says, you can't just do it for a paycheck or you can't do it to prove that I'm a woman. I can direct a superhero movie. Any woman can direct a superhero film. You don't want to just do that with a film that you don't think can do it. And in the end, it seemed like she came out victorious because you look at Thor The Dark World, that is considered by myself and many others to be one of the worst MCU films to come out of its 23-film saga right now. And even though it's it still has like a 60% Rotten Tomatoes, it's not, it's not an awful movie. It's an okay to iffy movie at best. But it seemed like Patty Jenkins made the right, the right notion, the right, the the right decision to make. And at that that time, again, there was no Wonder Woman to go to. There was no, there was nothing else. She just said, "Look, I'm not into this. I don't want to. I don't see myself writing this. I don't think this is good. I don't want to be a part of it." And to do that to Kevin Feige, Marvel Studios at that time period, where again, right now, Marvel Studios is bigger than it was back then. But back in 2011, 2012. Marvel Studios was starting to f- come into form and be a big powerhouse at the time period that it was in. It's it's more of a tiny powerhouse that than it is now, where it's this gigantic powerhouse after Endgame. But she just doesn't go on to just crap on Marvel Studios. She says that she loved her time there and she loved working with creative heads, even though they had creative issues. And this isn't like Marvel Studios just had creative differences with her. But they've had great differences with a lot of people. You look at Ava DuVernay with Black Panther. Before Ryan Cooler came on, it sounded like from a lot of reports that they were the one that, that they wanted her to direct that film. And they just didn't see eye to eye. And so they decided to go to Ryan Cooler. And same thing with Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright was with Ant-Man for so many years. And before the MCU was the MCU, they were in talks and had a deal with Edgar Wright to do an Ant-Man movie. And then after so many years, they just didn't see it eye to eye for where at that time they had that film going. And so they brought on Peyton Reed and the rest is history. But Marvel Studios has always had creative differences with a lot of people, but they they have their vision for what their vision is. And right now it's always been working. But Patty Jenkins has said that, look, I, I still have a lot of admiration for what they do at, over at Marvel. And Marvel has had a great success with a lot of people that bring different ideas you look at James Gunn that really started that whole thing with Guardians of the Galaxy Taika Waititi with Thor Ragnarok which Patty Jenkins talks about where she loves Thor Ragnarok and how great that movie is and the fact that it's probably better that she didn't direct Thor The Dark World because she says that it seems like Thor has found its artist with Taika Waititi and so things oh there's always silver linings with everything it seems like Patty Jenkins has found that silver lining for everybody involved where even though Thor The Dark World didn't work out for everybody, it seemed that, A, in the end, it worked out for Marvel Studios. They found their person with Taika Waititi. And in the end, for Patty Jenkins, she found her her franchise, her 
superhero that she wanted to bring to life in Wonder Woman with Gal Gadot. And Wonder Woman was a, was a a great film. It was one of it was in my top ten of 2017 when it came out. I was so surprised by how great of a film that was. And I'm I am so over the moon and I'm so excited to see Wonder Woman 1984 whenever it comes out, whether that is on August 14th or in the future. I'm really excited to see what she does with this and the, the different flares she's bringing to it. It's different from what she brought with Wonder Woman. So I want to see what creative avenue she takes with this film. So it, it, it was a big ballsy move at that time period. But in the end, there's always silver linings. Things I'm always a big proponent of things working on the end for people. And it seems like for majority of ev- mostly everybody involved, everyone is in a happier place than they were maybe at that time period. So again, this is a great movement, and I have all the more respect for Patty Jenkins because she followed her gut. And as a director and as an artist, man, woman, young, old, you, sometimes you're on a big project, but if your gut doesn't tell you that it's in there, then sometimes you have to leave. And for a lot of directors, when they get a big shot like that, some of them just stay on because... They don't know if they're ever going to get an opportunity like this, but Patty Jenkins stuck with her gut. She went with what she did, and look where she is now. She is one of the most in-demand directors out there. She can do whatever she wants. She has. I would not be surprised if she had complete control over the Wonder Woman project. So, and and she's just in a great place, and so is Marvel Studios at this point as well. And 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 mo- again, mostly everybody involved has come out victorious on both sides of that situation that happened with Thor: The Dark World. Moving on, or let me let me know what you guys think about that. Like, are you interested in it with Patty Jenkins? Like, how do you feel about Patty Jenkins after that? Do you have more respect for her after that? Do you not agree with her decision? Do you agree with what she did? Does it inspire you? If you're a filmmaker that's listening to this, does that inspire you? Let me know down below in the comment section what you guys think about all this. Moving on now to a, one trailer that came out yesterday, and that is for the new HBO film that's set to come out in April. Bad Education. It's directed by Corey Finley, and it stars Hugh Jackman, Allison Janney, and Ray Romano. And this is a film that's based off of the real-life events that occurred of one of the writers and co-producers of this film, Mike Malowski, excuse me, in, in his high school in which there was, seemed like a, a financial scam that was going on that made the school rich, and they were, they were wealthing off a lot of the people that lived in the district. And to me, watching this trailer... The first thing I was saying to myself is that this is not, this should not be an HBO film. I, I love HBO. I love the films that they do. But this, I think, between Leaving Neverland, which they did a great job in, 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 in acquiring that from Sundance last year and putting that out there. But a film like this, a film like that, even though Leaving Neverland had a little bit more of a circumstance where that was like a four-part film, really, this really is this should be something that should be seen in theaters. This debuted on film festivals last year. I think there was some whispers that this could be an award season contender potentially, and it, and it definitely seems like it'll be contention for an Emmy when it comes out potentially with Hugh Jackman and Allison Janney. I, I love Hugh Jackman in anything he's in. I will see him in anything, and it's weird to see him as a bad guy. We've seen him as a bad guy before in, in Hook, and we played a ridiculous Captain Hook. And we see him as something in this, but we always know him as the guy we root for, whether that's in the X-Men franchise playing Logan, whether that's in Les Miserables, or even playing P.T. Barnum, who himself wasn't an, an, a great guy, but Hugh Jackman brought a charisma and a likability that you rooted for, at least that movie version of P.T. Barnum, uh, Barnum excuse me, in The Greatest Showman. 
And so seeing him as seeing him as being this kind of oil snakesman and and really somebody that is looking out for just himself and looking just to make a quick buck or two, it's interesting to see that. And it seems like it's going to be playing off a quirky bit. Him and Alice and Janie have looked like they have terrific chemistry together. So I'm excited about this film. But at the same time, I wish I was seeing it in theaters. But I understand that maybe just just some studios just didn't want this, didn't didn't think it would be good for them, and HBO decided to pick it up. It's got a good percentage on Rotten Tomatoes. That is an 87% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. So it's not like this movie has been getting awful reviews by any stretch of the imagination. So I just guess studios just weren't weren't feeling it, and and it took a long time because this is a movie that could have came out last year, but. It's coming out this year, which is still good, and I'm excited for it, and I will definitely be checking it out when I see it. Did you guys see the Bad Education trailer? Let me know down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. And for the final thing I want to talk about today, guys, is like I said at the top of the show that I previewed, I want to be able to talk some hypotheticals here and play a little game of where they will land. And so... I was reading an article on Screen Rant yesterday, and they kind of did a, like a a, sur- a surmise, a summarization of where they think a lot of these temples are going to land, where their release dates are. Because even though Fast Nine, No Time to Die, Wonder Woman 1984, they all were able to land on release dates for this year and into next year. With Fast Nine, it is going to be coming out April 2nd of 2021, taking the release date of Fast and Furious 10, which had that release date and plucking it out. But for a lot of these other films, basically they just said we're postponing the, the film and it's going to be on a to-be-determined release date. So a lot of these films don't have a landing zone right now and are off the schedule completely. So I wanted to kind of co- corroborate with what Screen Rant and a few others are saying about where these films could land. And there's a the, the, again, these aren't like they're mid-level films. Some of them are, but these are big-budgeted projects, highly anticipated tentpole films that at the box office could generate hundreds and hundreds if not billions of dollars at the box office for a few of them. So I'm going to go through all of them right now. And the first one I'm going to start with is the one that was supposed to come out last week, this time last week, and that is A Quiet Place Part 2. It was written and directed by John Krasinski. It stars Emily Blunt. And there, there's multiple places that this film could go. With, with A Quiet Place Part 2, it was always set up against Mulan, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But... Quiet Place Part 2 had last weekend to really have have the box office to itself, and then it would have had to go up against Mulan this this weekend. It was supposed to come out literally today. So for Quiet Place Part 2, it can still have that kind of scenario. And, and the thing you want to think about with all these films is that because with A Quiet Place Part 2 and Mulan, their marketing campaigns were ramped. They were at all-time peak-level highs at that moment in time when they were supposed to come out before they were postponed. Premieres were already happening for those films. They had their world premieres, both of them. The week that everything was getting canceled, Mulan had their premiere that Monday. So there was there there was a lot of money being poured in. So with these films now that it's completely died down, they're gonna have to revamp the marketing campaign for all these movies, really. And so that's gonna cost a lot of time, a lot of money. So all these films are gonna have to revamp themselves and make sure that they reach that peak once again where people are gonna be excited to see those films. And the fact that they're gonna, theaters are going to have to see how people are feeling about going to the theaters, and studios are going to have to look at that as well. So all of these factors are going to have to be taken into account here, and I'm sure the studios are taking those into account as well. So the first spot that I had 
A Quiet Place Part 2 potentially going to is on June 24th replacing Top Gun Maverick because both Top Gun Maverick and A Quiet Place Part 2 both come from Paramount's Picture Studios. So you can replace that and maybe move Top Gun Maverick because it hasn't utilized. Maybe one or two trailers have been utilized. One Super Bowl spot and a trail, two trailers in a Super Bowl spot have been utilized for Top Gun Maverick at this time period. So you can still move that and revamp its marketing campaign and, and add a few extra dollars to that. The next one you could go to is August 7th and kind of do what No Time, no, excuse me, not No Time to Die, but what Fast 9 did and what Wonder Woman 1984 did, which is kind of take films that were in, that were a part of the same studio, pluck them out and put them back in. And you can do that with August 7th, which basically, Quiet Place Part 2, you would be replacing Infinite with Mark Wahlberg, which hasn't gotten a poster yet, hasn't gotten a trailer, it hasn't really built up any hype whatsoever. And kind of like what it was facing with Mulan is what could potentially happen with Quiet Place Part 2, where it was supposed to go up against Mulan a week later. With August 7th, you have that whole weekend to yourself, and then you can go and battle up against Wonder Woman 1984, and kind of like what you're doing with Mulan, you probably would have placed in second place anyway and still ramp up that money. So I think that's the perfect spot for Quiet Place Part 2 coming in at August 2nd. The next one I had is potentially September 18th, replacing Without Remorse with Michael B. Jordan, and it's it's based off of a Tom Clancy production, and he he's a very popular person. So maybe you can put something there, but I think its best release date right now is on August 7th. You keep it in the summer movie season if everything keeps in place in August, and like you were doing in Mulan, you come out from a week from Wonder Woman 1984. Moving on to the film that was supposed to come out literally right now on Friday, March 27th, Mulan was supposed to hit the theaters, and unfortunately that won't be happening. But looking at where it couldn't land, there were two, there were three possible places that I had it going. The first one is you put it in the summer movie season and you replace it with Jungle Cruise, which could go to September 18th and replace the Kingsman. And the Kingsman could either move to October 8th and replace Death on the Nile. Or you can just put the Kingsman into 2021 because kind of like what you did last year, Kingsman was supposed to come out earlier in 2020 and you had a few trailers that were coming out for that film. It was playing in a bunch of theaters, but you decided to push the Kingsman back. So there hasn't really been any kind of marketing hype ramped up for this film for a while. So what you really could do is you could just say there's not a lot of hype around the Kingsman. You can replace that. And you could either put Mulan there on September 18th and keep Jungle Cruise at July 24th, which is, I think, the ideal scenario when it comes to this. And if not, you can replace Death on the Nile with Mulan on October 8th, have it fall around that Halloween time, be a great time for costumes, merchandising, exactly what Disney would want to do with Mulan. And the big thing, too, would be a month before The Eternals, which is a big, which I think is something that Disney doesn't want to mess with right now because that's really going to be their big Thanksgiving Day slot right now for them. And also, it doesn't, talking about Marvel Studios again, it doesn't really put the whole Phase 4 production slate into haywire because right now, Marvel Studios and Disney specifically have to look at where they want to put Black Widow. Now, now Black Widow is very tricky because, again, talking about Eternals and talking about it beforehand, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I don't think it's been really stressed until now because of this pandemic that's happening, how finite, how accurate, how minuscule, how, like, every single release date 
for the Marvel Cinematic Universe has its purpose for being where it is. And if, if it's drawn off course without any kind of knowledge whatsoever, then everything else kind of blows up. And with, specifically with Phase 4, you have Disney Plus shows and you have a lot of movies coming out in the next two years. There's Everything is kind of put in specific places. Every single movie, every single TV show is put on a, an exact date for a specific reason. And if you blow all that up, then it blows up the entire slate. And basically, you'd have to really start from scratch and putting things where you want to put them and reorganizing a lot of stuff. So I think... Disney with the Marvel Cinematic Universe because that is really their bread and butter right now. That is the franchise that they bank on right now to make them mega, mega billions of dollars and and put a lot of money in their film distribution is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And so I'm not even considering November to put Black Widow, whereas you could if you do that, then you're pushing everything down a notch. Everything from 2021 is getting pushed down to 2022 potentially. That's what's happening. Everything else just kind of moves around, and I'm sure Kevin Feige and all of them are going to have to rework that. I'm sure they're reworking it now. But let's say best-case scenario, like my my best-case scenario, which I have had for a while, is that everything starts to go back to normal late June, early July for July 4th weekend. That's July is where I could see them potentially putting Black Widow, and there's two spots that I have them potentially putting Black Widow in. I have them potentially putting it on July 3rd, which is something that Screen Rant has said as well, that July 3rd could work in which you basically replace Free Guy, which was supposed to be an original film with Ryan Reynolds, Jodie Comer, and you can put that somewhere else. It's a 20th century studio film, and it's only had one trailer. It hasn't had, it didn't have a Super Bowl spot, they didn't have a second trailer, it only had one poster, so there's not a lot of marketing push behind it, whereas Black Widow, you've had a Super Bowl spot, you've had a college football championship spot, which costs some money, not as much money as a Super Bowl spot, but it still costs money even though it's on ESPN too. You had two trailers come out for it, you've had posters, you you're start, you, you ramped up, you were getting ready to ramp up this marketing campaign for it, and so I think if you want to keep it Let's say if everything again starts to pick up again at, at the end of Jul- at, at the end of June, July Fourth weekend could still be a sweet spot during and as it's always been for the summer movie season and kicking off the summer movie season on the official really kind of one of the official kickoffs to a lot of people's summer with July Fourth would it would it would be a cool move and it would be really really cool to see, but if it doesn't work there and you don't move a lot of stuff, it keeps in the summer movie season and you, and everything is still on track for coming out when it's supposed to come out. If that doesn't work, then you can move it to July 24th and replace Jungle Cruise. Because again, Jungle Cruise didn't have a Super Bowl spot. It's only had two trailers and a few posters. That's all the marketing campaign has had so far for Jungle Cruise, which is a lot of money. And a lot of these movies are going to have to revamp the marketing campaign and put in a lot more millions of dollars into their ad campaigns for their movies. But when it comes to Black Widow, again, you want to try to keep it within the summer movie season and have it a month or so away before Wonder Woman 1984 comes into play, because that was always the matchup to watch, whether, what would perform better, Black Widow or Wonder Woman 84? And I think if you don't want to play it in any kind of close contest with that whatsoever, you want to make sure there's enough breathing room between both of those two films, and it keeps it, again, away. I'm not trying to go into the fall time. I'm trying to keep it in the summer movie season where it was originally supposed to play, and I think Disney and Marvel, they want that summer dollar so they can keep it in there. And if and then this is also taking into account that everything still is ready to go in the midsummer where everything is gonna start to go back to the way it was beforehand. That might not be the scenario where they might be forced to put it at in September or October and just 
Play around with where you're gonna want where you're gonna want to put your Disney Plus shows. Where you're gonna want to put Eternals. Are you gonna want to keep it in theaters or keep it on its November sixth release date? Are you gonna push everything back? So with the MCU, with a lot of these other films, they have some lead room because they're not as connective as the MCU has become. There's again, there's always a reason for why these films come out when they do. There's a reason that Avengers: Infinity War came out and then there were two solo films that came out after with Ant-Man of the Wasp and then Captain Marvel and then it was Avengers Endgame. They there's always a reason for everything they do. So everything has a thread to it and if everything starts to unravel with the with the MCU then it causes a lot of problems for Marvel which I'm sure they don't want to have but they'll deal with it if they have to and I'm sure they'll reconnect everything they have to if that comes to it. But if I'm them, I'm looking at the July slate right now if I'm Disney and putting something there right now for it and moving on to spiral from the book of saw this is supposed to come out on may 15th it's with chris rock samuel l jackson it's it's based off of the saw films it takes place within that universe if there are two places that i could see this and i'm not putting exact release dates on this one but i could definitely see it trying to go after that it money where both it and it chapter two played in september to big mega dollars and i'm not saying that that Saul or Spiral is going to make that kind of money. But I think if it wants to capitalize on a window, that could still work. Labor Day weekend, early September, it proved that that, that window can work for a lot of people. It's, it's coming off of the summertime. People are going back to school. Colleges are starting back up again. There's not a lot of work going on with classes. I take it from a person that's experienced that. You can People can go out those weekends, and th- those are big money-dollar weekends for studios. So I think... Spiral could benefit from that, but if they want to do something different, and because it's a horror film, try to put it in, in October, but you're going to want to stay away from Halloween Kills, which is from Blumhouse Universal, which made mega money a few years ago. You're going to want to keep away from that, so you either put it out in early October, or I think my my best case scenario for this film is putting it out in September, and Screen Rant, I think, agrees with me as well on this, where we both see eye to eye with this, where September could be the best place to put it for this movie then the next one is scoob coming it was supposed to come out again may 15th and it was and this is a movie that has two release dates that it could go for it could go for october where there's not a lot of kid-friendly films that are coming out and scoob has always kind of had that halloween feeling to it it's got mask mask villains and mysteries and ghouls so you could definitely play in that realm of it and i'm sure you saw the adams family last year and no matter how much i didn't like that movie it still plays and cater to that fan base family fan base of taking people out for a, a late fun scare to you during the halloween halloween season and if it doesn't want that it could try to go to the frozen 2 route and the frozen route and go for the november kill and go for the thanksgiving money and what it could do there is what I think Warner Brothers is going to have to do no matter what is it's going to move Kong v. Godzilla. And I think it could take a better beat. Scoop can take a better beating from No Time to Die than Kong versus Godzilla can. I think both of them are for different demographics. Whereas Kong v. Godzilla and No Time to Die, even though they're two different films, they, they can cater towards it, it, it. Both of them are big, big, major blockbusters. Whereas Scoop has that name brand, but it's not a highly anticipated film like no time to die is so i think scoob can make a lot more money in november than maybe Convi godzilla could and i think you have a better shot in october but november could be a place you can put scooby dooby doo whenever it hits theaters hopefully within those release dates as i mentioned the last one i want to talk about is in the heights 
In the Heights, to me, is another curious film, uh, another curious situation that it has going on. Because In the Heights was scheduled to come out on June 24th of this year. And after the first trailer came out, I really thought that this film had the chance to be one of the biggest films of the year coming out. I think it had a chance to really, if it came out with great reviews, it could have hit $800 million worldwide. It, I honestly think if the if it became this cultural phenomenon that I think it was going to become, then it could have maybe made, it had the potential, the highest ceiling it could have had was a billion dollars, I really do think. The lowest point, maybe half a billion dollars, 700, maybe is like a, a good peak ceiling. But the highest level, I think, for this film could have been a billion dollars at the box office. I think it could have really, it could have been that musical event of the summertime. It's got that feel to it. It's got diversity and and cultural movements and revolutions. And I think everyone will be for that, especially for the times that we live in nowadays. So I think people would have been geared up for it. It's got great music. The trailers looked, the trailer for the film was awesome. I, I was really into it. And so, and it was coming out in the summer, and that was the perfect time for it. It was the perfect time for that movie. Now, the question becomes, does Warner Brothers keep the film in 2020? Because, and another thing you have to look at is, for a lot of these films, they're really done with production. It's about, again, ramping up the marketing campaign and just putting it down and releasing it. Within the heights, the reason that it was delayed is because... It still has to do. It, it, John 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 M. Chu, excuse me, who was the director of Crazy Rich Agents, directed this film. He said in an article to Insider a few days ago, after the delay was announced, that they were just a mere few days away from locking picture. All they were working on is the sound. And Lin Manuel Miranda was on Rosie O'Donnell's show and said this this past weekend that they were they only really needed to work on the score and the music, which is a big part of a musical, is making sure that that part of it is in tip top shape. So the thing is, is that when this is all over and, and, and people are able to go back to work all around the world and here in the United States, and when studios are able to open up again, when, when all that's said and done, you're going to have picture lock. Do you keep it in 2020? And do you go for either August, maybe? Do you try to go for that August where I don't think they will because Warner Brothers isn't going to want to contradict themselves? They were going to want Wonder Woman 1984 to have that box office run for as long as it can in the next few weeks. So... You could either put it out in November and try to see what happens. Maybe you get that Thanksgiving dollar. Maybe kind of like what I was saying with Scoob, maybe In the Heights does that with with Combi Godzilla. It bumps it out there, but I don't think they're going to want to do that. Or maybe you go to December. Maybe you put it against West Side Story. See how the money does there. Do In the Heights, Lin-Man Miranda against Steven Spielberg. See how that goes. I think it'll be a very interesting box office battle. But maybe Warner Brothers doesn't want to contradict itself with Dune because Dune is a very high valuable project with Denny Villeneuve and they're going to want to make sure that that doesn't have a repeat of what happened with Denny's last movie with Blade Runner 2049, which is a great movie, but the box office receipts weren't there. It was a bomb. So you can either move Dune to next year, have Denis Villeneuve work on it and, and readjust your marketing campaign where you haven't a dollar on it yet, whereas you spent some money on a marketing campaign for it in the Heights, and you make it try to make it be that big summer, or excuse me, not summer, but big holiday film that comes out, that big musical like Greatest Showman was, and it really kind of delivers on being that big holiday film of 2020. But I don't think that the time date would really fit with that, with the way that it feels. It felt like a summer film. It just, 
when you go in there, it was a that's why it was a perfect summer film. It could have been one of the biggest summer films of this year and one of the biggest films of this year. And so I think the ideal scenario for this film is to wait out the year and put it in the same exact spot or maybe in July. You basically put it in the summer of 2021. You say you kind of do because Fast Nine too. Fast Nine is a, was a month it was two months out from now from being in theaters, and I'm sure they maybe had a few reshoots left to do. But really, I think everything else was kind of almost locked in. Really, they could have probably been finding some editing here and there. And when they're back, they're probably going to need to do that. And when they are able to, they'll have plenty of time before it comes out in April. So why not recoup, wait? And put it where you can make the most money. Because that's really where this is all com- comes down to. Is a lot of these studios are going to have to make that money back. And what better way than to put it in the spot where it had the most potential to excel. That June 24th spot for them was a sweet spot. That was a perfect time for it to come out in. And so I think you put it. I think the ideal situation is you wait till the summer of 2021. You only put out a trailer. You put the trailer out again. It's already out there still. You can re-put it out there. Or you put something else out that really gets people to, to go back into the theaters to see this movie and, and say, oh, wow, I forgot In the Heights is coming out. I want to go see that movie. Because I think people are clamoring to see this film. I think if you have Lin-Manuel Miranda there, you will be fine. He will be able to sell this movie on any time that he can be able to do that. People are going to want to see this movie. And so I think it has that summer feel. It's a summer film. So I think the ideal scenario for In the Heights is to wait it out and to be put in the summer of 2021. What do you guys think about all the dates that I just put out for a lot of these films? What dates do you think all these films are going to come out? What are your scenarios for where these movies could come out in the future? Are they all going to come out this year? Are some like maybe In the Heights going to wait out until 2021? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. But guys, that's going to be it for this edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can always check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and much more. Also, make sure to tune in onto the Ambiguous Network and be sure to check out the other amazing shows that are on there, such as You Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. Also, check out Goal Driven Professionals geared toward improving client relations, return on investment, and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. Also, check out our brand new show, The Daily Grind, a weekly motivational podcast with Kelly Johnson, giving you everyday tips and key takeaways on reaching your goals. You can check them out on the website, ambiguousproduction.com, also on Facebook and Twitter, at Real Ambiguous. And if you want to check out Canopy Treehouse, use the coupon code AMBIGUOUS. Also, make sure to follow me on social media on Twitter. You can find me at Basel Samuel. that's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L. Also, you can find me on Facebook, at Sam Bissell. Thank you guys again so much, and until next time, have a great weekend, and keep on screening.